live from the Business Radio X studios. Welcome to episode 54 of the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. I'm your host, Liam Godimer, the Director of Broadcasting and Communications for the club. Before we begin, this is a friendly reminder to, to subscribe to the Atlanta Gladiators podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you enjoy your podcast. For team info, follow us on social media at ATL Gladiators and online at atlantagladiators.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome today's guest, Atlanta Gladiators goaltender, Brad Barone. Brad, thanks for coming on. Liam, thank you for having me. That's it's great my, to be here. It's my pleasure for sure. So, Brad, let's start off coming off of a back-to-back -back set in Quebec against the Trois Rivières Lyons. How was it? How was the trip for the boys and yourself? Oh, it was a good trip. Uh, we started off strong. We got the first game, um, an exciting finish. I think we scored with about a minute left to go ahead, and uh, uh, we closed it out five-four there. And then we lost the second game four to two. Overall, a good trip, fun trip. Uh, nice to be up in Quebec. That that was a first for me. And uh, I think I only have one more team left to play uh, against in the East Coast Hockey League. And I think, I think I'm think i going to hopefully hit that this week against Orlando. Okay, sounds like a plan. That's awesome. And you mentioned that first game for the Gladiators. It was a back-and-forth contest. We would score, they would score, we would score, they would score. But I'm curious, you mentioned Micah Miller's goal in the final 39 seconds of the game. What was the reaction from the club? And just you weren't on the bench, but just in the net, you know, just seeing what was happening on the ice there. I skated over, and it was uh, a big relief. Um, I think we were ecstatic to get a regulation win uh, hopefully at that point it felt like we were going to um and it was like you said it was a little bit of a heavyweight bout um back and forth counter punches and to finally go ahead like that in the last minute was big so you mentioned that that was your first time in quebec how was it i liked it i, I had a good time uh, a couple good meals um nice pool at the hotel we were at a marriott uh a delta so uh, really cool. Um, there was snow on the ground, so it, it felt like uh, a nice Quebec winter. You took my uh, question uh, right out of my mouth there. Um, definitely a little bit of snow. I noticed from some of the Glad's faithful that had made it to Calice Videotron that there was quite a bit of snow out on the ground. So you got a good accent there. That was uh, not bad. Yeah, Calice Videotron. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I saw them in the stands there. They had their uh, Gladiators jerseys on. Uh, loud and proud looked really good and it was nice to have some support i really appreciate by the way the uh you know the acknowledgement of the french accent you know? <laughs> towards the end i was calling the game the first game and uh, i have uh, an intern that works with us and he's based out of canada and i was saying the trois rivier lions for the longest time and he goes hey liam just let you know lions oh, i was like okay so i added the uh, french accent the remainder of the two games so happy you noticed that there that was cool Good for you. Yeah, I appreciate the 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 effort. I'm no authority on it, but it certainly worked for me. I, I like to think I can um, yuck it up a little bit in French. I learned in high school, and I was speaking with their manager a little bit, but it's amazing how fast they speak. It's really hard to uh, to keep up. I bet the manager was impressed, though. Did you you know get any brownie points? I remembered a few words. Yeah, I, I mean, my gear was uh, was dry the next day, so I you know I was appreciative of that. Gitch was dry and everything. There was. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was good. We had a nice little conversation. Um, it comes back to you, but you forget so much of the vocabulary over the years. Right. I'm certainly not uh, necessarily a spring chicken by hockey playing standards. <laughs> All right, Brad. Well, let's go back to the beginning for you. You grew up in uh, Medfield, Massachusetts. I'm curious. I asked everybody who comes on the Atlanta Gladiators podcast, how did you get into the sport of hockey? How did you fall in love with the game? I was a big Batman guy when I was two, three, four years old. So I, you know, for whatever reason was 
gravitated towards the equipment. I thought it kind of looked like Batman. So I put on the, the goalie pads early on and um, never looked back. Okay. So you knew you wanted to be a goalie from the beginning. Um, I, I wanted to play hockey. I did play forward for a time. And, uh, once I switched to goalie, there was, there was no going back for sure. I was a catcher in baseball. So that was a pretty natural transition. So you were baseball first and you were a catcher and then you transitioned to hockey and you decided. I think T it might've been T ball. Um, okay. All right. A little <laughs> bit younger, time, but yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So, um, definitely liked uh catcher and um, goalie. I played soccer goalie too, actually. Oh, very nice. Wow. Yeah. So you've been, uh, you've been all around for sure. So a lot of different objects coming yeah, at me. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> not a first for Brad Barone for sure. So you grew up on the Northeast, uh, as did I, um, Medfield, that's not too far from, uh, from Boston, from downtown, what half hour, 45 minutes. That's yeah. Thereabouts. Um, it's in between Providence and Boston. It's right near where the Patriots play in Foxborough. So, okay. um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, uh, a new chapter in Foxborough. No more Bill Belichick. I know, right? So you grew up a Pats fan, Bruins fan, Boston all around, or Bruins for sure. I mean, that was that. That's the big one. Um, okay. Yeah, definitely. Like you know, the Pats right down the street. Um, yeah. You know, my dad's from Canton, Ohio, so I was rooting for the Browns this year with the Pats not in there mm -hmm. uh, in the playoffs. So it was a, kind of a tough. Tough showing. Have you watched any I, NFL? I, I know this is a hockey podcast. I would have bet my bottom dollar that the Browns would have won that game, and they just. It was the pick six. We yeah. really turned the tide there. The first one. Yep. I'm a Jets fan. So, you know, I have a soft place in my heart for Joe Flacco. Right. And, uh, it was definitely a good story, uh, for sure. Yeah. He, he did a great job. He really turned the season, uh, uh, into the positive, but I was with you on that. I thought their defense was really good and it's, I think it translates across all sports. When you have a good defense, usually you have a good team. So switching back over to hockey, uh, you grew <laughs> up as a Bruins fan. I'm curious, Tim Thomas, was that your guy growing up that you uh, wanted to be like? Mid-2000s, he, uh, he was chopping it up there in Boston. So He was tearing it up. That's right. He was um, the man, for sure. I was a big Timmy T fan. Okay. And then the, when they won the cup there, that was your first year uh, at Boston College. Uh, but the Bruins won the cup in 2011. That was pretty cool, right? It was cool. We went to... Uh, after we won it, um, the next year uh, we got announced at the Bruins playoff game. They were playing uh, the Capitals, and they ended up losing, I think, in six or seven games. Um, I know Timmy had his – I think he had his Warriors on at that point, his Warrior gear. Mm -hmm. um, the goalie in me is coming out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's awesome for sure. So you touched on it a little bit. You win uh, the national championship uh, with Boston College in 2011-2012. What was that experience like? That was your freshman year? That was my freshman year. It was a wild year. We had uh, some ups and downs. We lost twice in Maine in December at Alfond Arena. Um, I know Foss went there. One of the coolest arenas in college hockey. And uh, yeah, uh, we coach called out our identity and we won 19 in a row from that point on. And, and uh, I think we had a frozen Fenway that year as well, um, which was an awesome experience as well. Um, we played against BU and I think we won two to one. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a crazy freshman year. We won the thing in Tampa at the frozen four and, uh, yeah, I, incredible memories. A lot I can go to, uh, from that answer, Brad, but for me, you said that your coach at the time called out your team's identity and then you rattled off what 18, 19 wins in a row. We'll elaborate on that a little bit if you can. Our uh, assistant coach, actually, it was Mike Cavanaugh. He's now the head coach for UConn. Um, I just remember he called out um, the team's identity. We got swept on the road, and I think he was right in saying that we were a better team. 
um, than we showed that weekend. And it, it woke us up. Tommy Cross was the captain of the team. He um, retired. I think this is his first year retired. He, he played in Springfield uh, last and, and went on a Calder Cup run a couple of years ago. But he it was one of those uh, kind of miracle-type situations where he got up in the middle of the room and said to Coach Cav, like, you know, that's not true. We have an identity, and that really sparked us, and we didn't lose the rest of the way. Hmm. Now take me to Tampa, uh, the national championship game against Ferris State University. What do you remember from that? I remember the feeling going in. Um, Andy Brand actually asked me this when I was down here, I don't know how many years ago. Uh, I'm going to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> he he uh, was asking what it was like uh, going into that game. And I remember feeling like we were going to win. You know, you just had that feeling and there was that swagger. And they were the best team, I think, defensively, Fair State was. But uh, we beat them at their own game. We knew that. Um, and I think we were up two to one. And Johnny Gaudreau, um, one of my roommates at school, had uh, that pretty cool, um, you know, dangle, pull it through the legs, backhand shelf with like a minute and 40 seconds left or something. And uh, uh, we all started going nuts on the bench. You talk about good celebrations. Oh, that's amazing. So you mentioned Johnny Goudreau. A lot of future NHL stars on that team, huh? You got Brian Dumoulin, Chris Kreider, who's two years removed from the 50-goal season. Johnny Goudreau was outstanding in Calgary, looking it up in Columbus as well. Just Did you know at the time that you were just amongst just absolutely amazing players that could make it a significant impact at the NHL level? You know what? They were... There were so many guys that were so good, you didn't really know who was going to pan out, but you've, everyone seemed to have a shot, I guess you could say, but I didn't really think about it like that as much. I, I know, um, you know, Dumo was the guy who you never really, you, you didn't necessarily notice him doing big things. You never noticed him doing anything bad. It was incredible. It's like he never made a mistake. And uh, there was just a really good complement of players on the team. The, the personalities were great. So you, you didn't really think about the big picture. It was one of those cohesive units where you just got along every day. It was fun. Um, there was just a great culture there. I think everyone, there were a lot of guys from New England. So there was just a ton of pride in the jersey, and, but we had fun. And then when it came to game time, it was all business. So um, yeah, at one point, I think Kevin Hayes and Chris Kreider were on the fourth line, which is pretty interesting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? That's uh, definitely very interesting for sure. Um, let's fast forward now following your collegiate career, obviously an extensive ECHL career. You play, played in a numerous amount of cities. My question for you is what was your favorite city to play in and why is it Atlanta? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> give me, uh, give me your, your favorite city outside of, of course, Atlanta that you've played with uh, in your uh, pro career. There's so, so many. I'm a bit of a suitcase that way, um, but I'm really proud of, of the career I've been able to have. I've seen a lot of cool spots. Um, a few jump out, certainly playing up in Newfoundland, uh, the year they won the Kelly cup was, was an awesome experience right from camp on. Um, it was a uh, fall up there really, you know, being from new England, I, I love a good autumn and, uh, they have a great one up there for anyone who's looking to go somewhere cool in the fall. Um, keep that in the back of my mind. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Um, and we toured around the Island. We played in Cranbrook and a couple of other. Uh, I'm sorry, Sherbrooke and a couple of other places. Cranbrook, that's the M&M. <laughs> that's a private school. Yeah, right. That's where uh, Patrick Brown actually went. Um, he went to Cranbrook. But anyway, I'm 
I digress. Uh, Salt Lake City was an amazing place as well to play. Um, and then Atlanta, for sure. Yeah, so um, they're all top three, 1A, 1B, 1C. It's hard to say, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going back to Orlando. I, I definitely want to sting those guys. Yeah, for sure. We're going to get into Orlando as the podcast moves along here. But Brad, uh, briefly, you touched on uh, winning the Kelly Cup, right, with Newfoundland. Uh, just take me through uh, that year. And did you know, right, right from training camp that you might have had a special group on your hands? And just kind of replay that year for me. <laughs> there, there are some funny moments from camp that I look back on now fondly, but, uh, honestly I wasn't there the whole season. I was up and down, but it was a special group. I mean, the, the room was a unique one in that it was, it was all business before games. There was, uh, uh a certain reflection from the head coach. Ryan Klo was the coach when I was there and he was a very serious guy who took, the game you know, honored the game to the utmost degree. And every time he spoke, the room was, you know, you could hear a pin drop and he had a, a bit of a scary side where, you know, you, you didn't want to do the wrong thing. So there was, there was something cool about that. He had played so long in the NHL. Um, I remember playing with him in, in, uh, in NHL. So when I found out he was the coach and the first day in camp, we had, uh, all of the Toronto um, staff there. And it was like, whoa, you know, the GM of the, the Maple Leafs were there. Um, it was the inaugural season. And uh, Chloe was up in front of the group. There was a, a TV with a PowerPoint presentation on it. And he had a clipboard in his hand. And I'll never forget, he was pounding his clipboard against the TV. And it was just wild. I thought he was going to crack the TV with the clipboard. Uh, he was, a, you know, he's a big man. He's about six, five. I don't know how many pounds, but, uh, right. and we had Adam party who was the captain of the team. He was, and, uh, Melindy there, there were a lot of really, really talented players on that team. Do you think it's a bit of a necessity just as far as the head coach is concerned to have that toughness? And again, not really, uh, scare the players, but, you know, just like you said, just bring that intimidation a little bit to kind of rally the group together. I think it's, yeah, it's huge having a guy who everybody respects and, you know, coach Nesbitt for sure has that it's, it's been awesome playing for him. He had my number as a player. So, um, you know, I'm still learning from him. Uh, he scored on me today in practice. We had did the shootout, uh, to get ready for the game and he comes down and he doesn't even touch the pocket and he just buries the goal and I'm, and he I guess he went to center ice where the guys were all standing and and I was like you didn't even touch the puck and he goes yeah it's like the uh, controller shut off boys <laughs> when you're playing NHL and the guy just kind of floats in that's that was his move the no move right right for sure almost the uh, Kucherov right from a couple of years ago where he just uh, just lets the puck go floats right in uh, between the legs there um, so let's go back to uh, your brief one game stint right with the gladiators in 2015-16 I know it was just one game do you remember anything from it? I do. That was, um, you know, I think that was my first, my ECHL debut, I want to say. So it was a big yeah, period. Yeah, the SB there, yep. Um, we had, oh yeah, I had played a, a playoff yeah. game before with the the Everblades the year before. Right. Um, but but it was the regular season debut, we'll call it that. And, and uh, we were losing to Greenville here and they had their, they were with the Rangers at the time. So they had like their blues up. Oh no, it wasn't here. It was in Greenville, wasn't it? Okay. I think it was in Greenville. And and they had their uh their Ranger blue shirts on. And I was like, this is intimidating. <laughs> they looked like they were the freaking Rangers. Right. They were a good team that year. And um, 
it was an intense period. They put 20 shots up in one period. So, oh my goodness, that yeah, was busy. <laughs> <laughs> Jumped right in and saw 20 shots right away. Well, I spoke to current director of hockey operations, Jeff Pyle, earlier this week, and he was, you know, just talking about you and just absolutely gloating about you and uh, you as a player and you as a person as well. But he said that both you and himself wanted to get together and, you know, find a spot for you on the gladiators, but it just didn't work out timing wise all the way throughout your career. Did you have a yearning prior to this season to, you know, spend a little bit more time in Atlanta with the gladiators than you previously did, you know, seven, eight years ago? I have always wanted to come back. I had a great time here. I was roommates with Niels when he was playing. Um, I go. think it was his rookie season. Um, so now he's coaching and, um, coach pile. I've been trying to, to hook up with for, I don't know, since he was in Evansville, um, and with Atlanta a number of times. So we were both laughing when I first came here and, um, we've played against each other so many times with rapid city and, uh, Salt Lake city, you know, many different organizations. And, uh, Finally, we're on the same side, and he said, you know, we finally got you in here. So we, we had a good chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love how it just uh, came all the way full circle, right? That's uh, that's fantastic. Well, let's first fast forward to 2021-22 with the Orlando Solar Bears. You make nearly 50 starts with the team. We were talking about prior to this episode going live that uh, you had made an all-star appearance that year. Take me through that season. What went so well, and uh, what's your anticipation level for facing the Solar Bears for the first time uh, maybe coming up here soon? I'm excited to play him for sure. And uh, I'll leave it at that. I also um, had a tremendous year that year. Drake Barahowski was, he gave me an opportunity to really um, run with the job. And I was playing almost every night. I think I was in the net for 23 in a row that year. So it's almost like it blends together. Um, you know, there were two five and sixes, I think, during that stretch, five games and six nights. Oh my God. So it was very busy. And, uh, you know, a lot of fun to get into that rhythm and definitely learned more in that year than I probably ever have in hockey, um, just playing so much. And uh, it was a great group, but, um, you know, every night counts. Um, we, we missed the playoffs by a point and uh, it was really, you know, it was tough um, the, the way it ended. But I would say that uh, Orlando is a cool place. There's a lot of you know, great spots. I lived in winter park for a long time. That's, um, a really cool spot. I got my yoga teacher certification, 200 oh, wow. hours training down there in uh, winter park at full circle yoga. So yeah, it's, uh, there's good people there for sure. And now circling back to the present, Brad, you signed with the Gladiators on December 30th. We briefly talked about Derek, but just talk about your relationship with him as a player. And then of course, you know, you talked about it briefly, but when you got the call that, uh, you're going to be joining the club. I was telling my dad, um, he made me feel really welcome as a rookie. I really felt like I didn't belong in the league yet at the time. And, you know, there were so many good players that I looked up to and he was one of them, but he was a, an approachable, just nice guy. And, you know, brought me under his wing a little bit and just, you know, was, was, uh, you know, fun to be around. It was a really cool locker room, um, you know, great facilities, but, the guys were welcoming and that was, uh, that was nice. It's not always the case, believe it or not. Um, in a professional locker room, there's, uh, you know, certain cultures aren't, aren't like that. So, um, for Nezzy to do that, uh, I never forgot it. And I always liked playing against them because we would have a, 
you know, a word here or there. Um, that was, he would always make me laugh on the ice and, and I'm usually pretty serious. So, <laughs> um, and then I don't know if it was a strategy because he always had my number one night. He had two goals. I know he scored his 300th against me, a shorty breakaway. Um, <laughs> so that, that year with Orlando, we came here for our, uh, second game of the season and they showed that highlight of that goal and announced on the loudspeaker, you know, <laughs> it was, a uh, you know, Derek Nesbitt breaks up the play and goes down on a breakaway and rips one past Brad Barone. And oh, like, they mentioned your name yeah. too. Really? <laughs> so Drake looked over at me and, <laughs> and he started, we, we were laughing pretty hard, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, hockey's one big family. So I really feel like, um, just great to be playing for him. And, uh, I definitely want to uh, do right by him. He he gave me an opportunity here, and I I will do right by him. And specifically with this group, right? Uh, it's definitely a little bit more of a young team. What can you say just to that welcoming nature that you were alluding to from a group that many are in their first pro year? It's a great culture here. Um, I think the guys are a cohesive unit. It really does feel like that. And uh, I think you know, Coach Nesbit has has put a, his personality into the team that way where um, everyone has the right approach and makes you feel welcome. And there's, it also, his personality is in the team in that there's a lot of good players. I think um, our record maybe doesn't show it at the moment, but I think there is talent in this room and I think we're coming together and you know, I don't want to give any team bulletin board material, but I really think that we could do some damage. Yeah, for sure. Definitely during the latter half of this season, uh, we'll certainly see. So we go from a group of young guys to one young player in particular, and I'm talking about your goaltending counterpart in Gustav Stavis Grigals. Talk about your relationship with him uh, since joining the team. I really enjoy being teammates with Goose. He has talk about welcoming. He's, he's just a great person and, uh, he's got a lot of experience under his belt for a young guy. He started for, uh, another hockey East big time goaltending school, UMass Lowell, um, you know, Connor Hellebuck, it, it's some call it goalie. U. I think is what he said it was. And, and I think that was a good choice. And then he was up in Alaska as well. So he talked a little bit about, um, playing in Alaska, he's getting 40 shots a night and then, you know, playing for UMass Lowell, maybe getting 18 or 22 some nights and, uh, completely and being expected to produce a win. Right. Um, it's a completely different approach to goaltending. So he's, he's got a great eye from the position for the position and, uh, we help each other out. We, you know, we try to help each other out from a goaltending perspective and, and just be supportive teammates. Um, you know, I just read an article recently about, Jonathan Quick uh, playing against Corey Schneider in New England prep school at Avon and uh, uh, Andover. And Schneider talked about the difference between Andover getting peppered to uh, going to BC and, you know, facing maybe 20 shots, but the requirement to have a win. And it's a challenging thing to do. And, and uh, I think Goose has um, really uh, a dedication to his craft. And I think he's got a great future. I'm curious, as a goaltender, do you find it more difficult facing 18 shots on a night or 45, 50? I think it depends on the quality, but generally, yes, it's more difficult, I would say. But if if there are great A's and they're sporadic, it's really tough, I mean, to keep the rhythm going. Um, sometimes you can stay into it by getting out of the net and playing the puck 
Um, that's one thing Goose and I talk about a lot. He's got a really good backhand, so he let me the other day try his stick, and you know I like his uh, I like what he's got going with the Bauer there. You can you can really lift that thing up, and uh, um, but yeah, he he's um, that's one thing where it's helpful, and our D are awesome at just communicating with the goalies, telling us kind of what to do when our backs you know facing the glass, and uh, I think that's all a product of you know good culture set by Nesbitt. Oh, that's awesome for sure. Now let's transition to a little bit of a different topic here. I don't remember what game it was specifically, but I was at Gas South Arena calling the Gladiators game, and you went out onto the ice for warmups, and I noticed you had a new mask on, and I was like, "Oh man, that is <laughs> sick!" So tell me behind the uh, the inspiration behind the uh, Gladiators team mask. I I really love the logo, and uh, you know the colors are really cool too. Um, my good friend Mike New uh, actually drove. I don't know how many hours to come here for game day um, and got caught up in some traffic. I know he showed up right at uh, game time. Um, I had two masks at the time, courtesy of Benny uh, was very generous with those um, gave me two masks right away. As soon as I, you talk about welcoming, that's, mm -hmm. that's not typical. Um, so he hooked it up and then um, Mike, you know, took the, mask the cage off the mask and uh actually wrapped everything up he wraps race cars for his profession and uh his son races cars and um you know he was able to to put it together so for the third period for the florida game uh i came out you know the mask was done it was sitting basically right in my stall and i was like i'm using that next question <laughs> <laughs> it looks so sharp i couldn't say no that's awesome so two final questions left for you and brad i have been waiting to ask this question since the night i met you so fun fact brad comes up to me the first night he joins the team and he introduces himself and he says you can call me bones now brad that is the best nickname i have seen <laughs> since i've come to the gladiators how did you get the nickname bones uh, it goes back a while. My, my, uh, my dad loves music. Um, my name's Bradley Barone, uh, the long name. And, uh, he would sing the George Thorogood, you know, Bradley Barone instead of bad to the bone. Okay. So, so that kind of caught on. And, uh, you know, Mike knew actually when I was playing for Norfolk brought a fan with bones, uh, a fan uh, sign with bones on it. And it kind of stuck from then. He, he designed the mask with, uh, uh, for Newfoundland, he designed the mask for Norfolk. The one for Newfoundland was really cool. It had dog treats on it because they were the growlers and uh, all the team names in the division on the dog treats. So, huh. and they were bone shaped. So it was pretty cool. Okay. That's awesome. Well, I, I got to say it definitely lived up uh, to what I was expecting. I got to say, but one final question left for you, Brad, before we end this episode of the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. And I ask everybody, what's one thing that Gladiators fans won't know about Brad Barone by listening to the Atlanta Gladiators podcast? Um, one thing is, uh, well, I, I speak a little bit of French. I like to think that, uh, you know, I can communicate a little bit there. The yoga thing is definitely a big one. Um, uh, I'm an advisor, uh, to maybe 25, uh, hockey players, young hockey players, junior hockey, college age guys. And, uh, that's something, um, I'm trying to think what else, um, 
It's all good. I mean, I think uh, you gave us three or four there. Uh, okay. We had Waylon and Harms on the last episode, and they shocked me. They said, yeah, we love puzzles. Oh. Uh, we have a puzzle hobby now. So if you ever head into their apartment, you'll see just uh, puzzles just uh, hanging around everywhere. That's funny. I walked into uh, <laughs> my apartment here, and uh, Yodes uh, had a puzzle right on display, right on the uh, on the table there. So, so uh, it's a team-wide thing. So you know what the social media team did after that episode of the podcast? We went back, and you know Christmas time was coming up, and we bought them a puzzle, a big <laughs> thousand-piece puzzle, so they would have a long time with it. Uh, don't have Wales here now, unfortunately. He's up with Cleveland. but uh, I'd like to meet Wales. I've heard great things what a great as guy. a player and everything, yeah. Fantastic person as well. And, uh, of course, we wish Tyler Harmon all the best as he recovers uh, from his lower body injury. But Brad Thank you so much for joining us on episode 54 of the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. Thank you, Liam. I really appreciate it. Thanks yep. for having me. My pleasure. My name is Liam Godmer. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and as always, go Glads.